I'm uh, the pastor at Community Baptist Church in Greer, South Carolina. Um, I've just been oh. there for. Uh, am, am I good? You're good. Okay. I wasn't good. You're good. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I've been there for a year. Next week, uh, my first Sunday uh, there was Easter Sunday last year. So I'm thankful for the Lord um, and his provision with us and our time at the church. Um, I'm married and have three little girls, and then we have a boy on the way um, doing the end of May. So we're really excited about that. And um, I can't stop talking about my kids. So I have a couple of illustrations today about them, um, good ones. I always ask her permission if I tell embarrassing ones first, So, uh, but no embarrassing ones today. Um, the first one has to do with uh, my daughter, who's the oldest. She's eight, and she likes to make pot holders. So she has a, a metal loom, and she gets loops that she takes and loops on the pot holder loom and then she can weave different patterns into uh, that loom. And when she first got it, she was just learning how to do the the basics and she would follow a template. But over time, um, she started incorporating her own colors and making different kinds of potholders that she liked. And she actually has sold them and made more money than I ever made when I was her age, um, selling these potholders. And uh, when I first came to the church, uh, we started on Wednesday nights. We had a prayer meeting, and in prayer meeting, we started looking at different themes of prayer through the Bible. And the first thing we looked at when I came was the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer really is like that for Christians. It's a template uh, that gives us a good paradigm in which to pray, but it's not something that we just need to memorize and repeat rotely. The Lord warned us against vain repetition in the Sermon on the Mount, in that same context. And what's interesting is that the reason um, we see this happening, the context in, um, now I'm reading from Luke chapter 11, it's that Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And so that's where we get the Lord's Prayer from, is it was a response of Jesus to his disciples that they wanted to know how to pray better. And uh, we went through the Lord's Prayer on those Wednesday nights for several weeks, and I'm not going to go through all the details there other than to make this point that Jesus teaches his disciples a pattern to pray. And it's not that we always say the same thing, but there are certain key elements to prayer. And the first one is worshiping and praising God for who he is. So he says, Father, hallowed be your name, or holy, or sanctified, set apart. And what is really interesting to me is we learn that principle of coming to the Lord and praising him when we first come to him. And then what you do is when you look in the New Testament, you can see the prayers of Paul and how he applied this in his own life. So the next thing we did in Wednesday night prayer meetings is we talked about all the prayers of Paul in the New Testament. And what amazed me as we looked through all those prayers of Paul is that he consistently starts out his prayers the same way. And I'm just going to read one of them, and I'll highlight this. This is how Paul praised the Lord. Jesus said to begin by praising God in the Lord's Prayer, and this is how Paul applies it. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. Paul thanks God for the advance of the gospel in the lives of the Corinthian believers. 
And as you read to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, you'll see that Paul's going to say a lot of hard things to them. This church was a mess. There are a lot of problems in the church, but the way he starts is by praising God for what God had done already in their lives through the work of the gospel. And I know with my youngest daughter, uh, she's two years old, and uh, we're often trying to teach her when she's uh, talking to us. Um, actually, she just turned three, so well, she's about to turn three. Got to keep all the birthdays straight. But um, she will make a request to us. She'll say, Daddy, I want my water. And sometimes that's said with the wrong attitude, but sometimes it's just said out of ignorance in the sense that she doesn't know how to ask for it. So I have to say, well, how do you ask? And then she says, Daddy, can I please have my water? And then when I give it to her, say, now what do you say? She says, thank you. And really what Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer, and then we see applied in the life of Paul, is that we need to develop a, a gut reflex to thank God for the advance of the gospel. That's one of the first things we should praise him for as he works in the lives of other people. It's so easy for us just to jump into the immediate requests that we have before us, and that's not wrong. God wants us to make our requests known to him. But at the same time, what sets the tone for our prayer life often is praising God for what he's already done, starting with thank you and then going to please. And it's a wonderful lesson. The last thing I want to share with you uh, ties into what we're doing now in the life of our church and our Wednesday night prayer meetings. We went through all the prayers of Paul, and now we're going back to the very beginning of the Bible and going through all the prayers of the Old Testament. And the first time we see a really clear reference to prayer in the Old Testament is actually in a surprising section. It kind of jumps off the page because if you're not following the flow of the story, you may not know why it's there. And basically what's happening is um, Adam and Eve have fallen in sin. They have um, brought a curse upon the world because of what they've done. And God has promised that one day there will be an offspring from Eve who will crush the head of the serpent. There's this first gospel promise that we get there. And they're looking forward to that promised seed. They might even think it's their first child, Abel. But then something terrible happens. Cain murders Abel. And as you read along in the story, the descendants of Cain just get worse and worse and worse. But then God provides Seth. And you see that Adam and Eve are very hopeful because they're thinking that God will someday provide for his promise that he's given to his people. And then it says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. What a wonderful truth for us to remember that we want to be people who are not like the descendants of Cain, who were focusing on themselves. Their legacy was they were making different instruments. They were um, uh, developing the use of livestock and having cattle and being uh, having cattle and being farmers and doing all these different things. But then you look at this line of the promise, Seth, and the people that were trusting what God had said. And their legacy, their legacy was prayer. Their legacy was worship. You see the descendants like Noah and then later on Abraham going around building altars to God, praising him and trusting in his promise. So those are really the simple takeaways that we've had in the life of our church is that we should look to God's word to guide us in how we pray. And as we pray, we should start out by giving God thanks for what he's done. And then finally, we need to make our legacy one of prayer. I remember, this is my last illustration, I'll be done. I had a teacher in college who told us a story about when he was younger, he was thinking about getting involved in a tax protest movement. 
and he was trying to decide if this is something that he should do. And he went and talked to a godly um, in mentor in his life and asked him, you know, should I be getting involved in this? And the mentor just kind of sat and thought for a while and then looked at him and said, you know, you're going to be known for something. You have to decide what it is. What's your legacy going to be is essentially the question he put before this man. And then he realized, you know what? That's not really something that I want to be known for. Or that's valuable for me to invest my life in. Rather, he chose as his legacy to become a Bible professor and to teach students and train them for the advance of the gospel. That I think the takeaway is the same for us. Are we going to be known as people of prayer, of peop- as people of the word? Are we going to focus on what matters most with the short time God has given us in our life on this earth? Because if we do, we can give him praise and thanks for the advance of the gospel and follow the truth that he's given us in his word. So I pray that we'll be able to do that even as we pray together today. Thank God for the advance he's given and continue to establish a legacy of prayer in our lives and the lives of those around us.